Welcome to Prima's 2017 podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education and Training at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Eric Patton will discuss diabetes, avoiding and managing its adverse impact on claimant recovery. Eric is the Regional Clinical Director at One Call Care Management. Eric ensures the company has an unparalleled level of clinical expertise to serve customers' clinical management needs for catastrophic and complex cases. He manages a team of nurses who assist customers in coordinating care for these cases. Eric once served as a catastrophic nurse case manager, working on high-profile injuries, and this experience now allows him to provide effective peer-to-peer support to adjusters and nurse case managers. Eric's available for on-site evaluations of high-exposure claims to identify potential opportunities for improved outcomes and savings. Working with field case managers, Eric's team of nurses proactively evaluate and coordinate the needs of the injured workers prior to their discharge from the hospital to ensure a seamless transition of care. Eric has over 22 years of nursing experience, including diabetes education, critical care, and emergency nursing. We will also be joined by Danica Williams, Prima's Member Services Manager. Danica will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Eric, we are delighted that you could join us for this episode of Prima Podcasts. Our first question, in your presentations at risk management and insurance conferences, you often share that diabetes is a condition that can complicate recovery in a workers' compensation claim. Tell us about diabetes and about some of its symptoms. Sure. There are two different types, primary types, I should say, that we see in the workers' comp space. Type 1, which is insulin-dependent, typically uh, affects a younger generation, a younger population, I should say. Uh, where they're dependent on insulin to survive. So they must take it either regularly with an injection or using a pump or a combination of both. And then there's type 2, which is more likely where we see it in the workers' comp space. And we're seeing an increase in type 2, which uh, is the pancreas is producing some amount of insulin within its body, but it's not being able to accommodate that individual's needs based on the intake of food and the blood sugars are rising. So they need to compensate by following the diet, following exercise, monitoring their blood, and taking the medications that will help to further produce insulin or allow for that resistance that the body may be having to better utilize the insulin that that body's producing. So there are two primary types, as I said, type 1 and type 2. Type 2 is really what we see in the workers' comp space, primarily more so recently than not, given the influx of our obese population. By the year 2030, we're going to see 51% of the United States who are obese, and they're running hand-in-hand. That obesity is really putting added pressure and stress on the body, and one of the areas we're seeing um, arising is diabetes. So symptoms when being diagnosed with diabetes can be anywhere from shortness of breath to um, lethargy, increased in uh, frequency in urination, as well as thirst. You'll see weight loss from that, as well as sweating and others, but those are the primary, that, that intensified thirst 
unable to quench the thirst as well as once you drink, then you need to urinate. So you see an increase in urination as well. Now, what types of complications does diabetes create for a worker's compensation claim? Sure. So there's many different types of complications with diabetes. The primary complication, because we are seeing a lot more type 2, we're seeing neuropathy. So we're seeing a deadening of the nerves or damage to those nerves. So there's a lack of sensation in the feet and the toes and the lower extremities as well as in our fingers. And so we do see that as well as if there's a injury, let's say it's a, let's say it's a fracture. It's an internal fracture. It's not an open fracture. That fracture takes a lot longer to heal because we have to maintain a normal blood sugar and allow for that level of consistency within the body. And if their blood sugars are elevated, we'll have a greater delay in the length of disability, which also results in an increase in medical spend as well as medical reserve. So the complications we see are infection, delayed healing, as well as increase in downtime due to recovery. They take a little bit, patients with diabetes take a little bit longer to heal as well as to recover from a fracture. And if we can tighten up our blood sugars, and a normal blood sugar is 80 to about 100, depending on who you speak to, it's 120, we can tighten those blood sugars up and get them closer to normal. We're more apt to get those patients to recover within a closer to normal length of disability versus an extended length of disability, which could be 20 to 40 and sometimes 60% greater. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. In 2017, Prima will host two enterprise risk management ERM trainings. The first ERM training session will take place March 21st through 22nd in Memphis, Tennessee. The second ERM training will take place November 14th through 15th in San Diego, California. I hope you're able to attend one of the 2017 ERM trainings. Here are some words from Prima's ERM faculty member, Tim Wiseman, regarding why risk management professionals should attend Prima's ERM training. Well, I think we find ourselves today in a very complex environment, not only with the global marketplace, but the advancement of technology and communications. Uh, Both public and private sector entities and organizations are really wrestling with how to process information about vulnerabilities and risks that are associated with their objectives and goals and strategies. So there's sort of a general understanding and realization that Some of the older practices in risk management may have been adequate at the time, but there's sort of a need to step up the game and take a more holistic approach. And I think that's the door that's opening and has opened for organizations, both public and private sector, to embrace uh, an enterprise-wide risk management approach. To learn more about Prima's ERM training, visit primacentral.org. Now back to Eric and Danica. So Eric, diabetes seems to be a condition that can be properly controlled, but what happens if the condition goes unmanaged? What are some of the long-term repercussions and how would that possibly affect a worker's compensation claim? So some of the long-term complications, if diabetes is not properly controlled, we see neuropathy, which is the deadening of the nerves or the damage to the nerves, primarily in the extremities, as well as we see um, retinopathy, which is within the eye and damage 
of the eye vessels in the back of the eye, allowing for decreased vision. If the claimant experiences one or the other, or both perhaps, we could have an issue with standing to being able to do their job properly with regards to measurement or if they're using heavy equipment or tools, misjudging, putting themselves at harm as well as others. So those are the areas we need to be concerned about. The retinopathy as well as neuropathy can prolong the length of disability, causing that length of disability to be somewhere between 20 and 40% greater at times. If we tighten it up with that control, we can eliminate that and get that down closer to 10% or 15% versus that 20 or 40%. It really is an excessive spend on the medical side as well as the uh, indemnity cost, that length of disability, increasing that indemnity. If we're able to tighten it up, we can reduce that. But uh, if it's not managed properly, we see an increase in both. So... Let's say an injured worker who has diabetes sustains a serious wound. What types of treatment considerations must be made in this type of scenario? So we first need to determine where their blood sugars are at. We can do that by doing just a typical finger stick or being a stick to determine exactly where they are today. But I often would ask and still do when I deal with claimants like this, when was the last time they've had a hemoglobin A1C drawn or, or, or an A1C? And what that test does is allows for us to look at that 60 to 90 day window and give us an average of what the blood sugar has been running. Now, if it's a new diagnosis, I still ask for that because I can get a better feel for where they've been. With that, we get a better understanding. We can start tightening up that blood sugar especially in a claimant who has a wound. We want to get that blood sugar as close to possible and as close to normal as possible. We do that with medication. If the patient has a wound, we're more than likely not doing exercise, but we are also adding a diet to that. And we're looking at tightening up that diet control along with medication so that we can forego potential infections or delayed healing. If we do develop a wound, and that wound is infected, we can look at not only uh, wound backs, but we also can look at, depending on the claimant, other past medical history, we can consider hyperbaric chamber oxygen therapy, where we actually put the patient into a controlled environment and remove that anaerobic and that the bad bugs, if you will, and inundate it with oxygen, allowing and promoting for positive growth and healing. So those are the typical areas that we cover with regards to wound management, but we also have to have those key factors I mentioned before, diet, medication, and exercise if possible. If not, we need to know what those blood sugars are running so that we can adjust accordingly. In closing, what is the role of nutrition in diabetes-related cases? What is the relationship to recovery and medical costs? Diet is very important. It's the key factor in any type of diabetes. I mentioned two earlier in this podcast, uh, type 1 and type 2. It is the foundation for good control within diabetes. So diet can be as simple as no concentrated sweets, just removing those foods within the home that have that sugar or a sugar-type process, i.e. could be granular sugar, it could be white sugar, brown sugar, it could be fructose, sucrose, removing those products that have that as the first or second ingredient and using things where those ingredients are down four or five in the ingredients 
description, simple, low concentrated sweets. We could then, if that's not working, um, we could advocate for a visit or two with a nutritionist to tighten up that cost. What is the cost on average for that? Again, depending on the region, you could be three, four hundred dollars a visit to up to fifteen hundred dollars, depending on the visit. But that added cost to control that diet will supersede the extended cost if we don't look at controlling that diet. Those complications, that extended length of disability, that extended medical reserve, simple little things like tightening up the diet, having them monitor their blood sugars will really improve the overall spend on that claim, reducing it. Thank you very much, Eric. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks so much, Eric and Danica. Please visit the Prima website to listen to other Prima podcasts, join upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about additional Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk.